on TV, online and on your smartphone. This is Ticken News. This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Hi, I'm Chris Judd and you're watching Talk Your Book and today we're very lucky to be joined by Nick Sladen from LSN Capital Partners. Nick, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. You've had a huge 18-month debut with LSN. Maybe just tell us a little bit about your investment philosophy before we get into your, uh, your stock pick. LSN Capital is a, a pure ASX a small cap fund focused on uh, quality smaller cap businesses where style and sector agnostic, but uh, in terms of quality, we really like focusing on businesses that have got the capacity to generate an attractive return on capital because we think that'll deliver real shareholders good returns in the long term. And what stock did you want to talk about today? Today we're going to talk about a healthcare business called Pacific Smiles Group. And for viewers that haven't heard of Pacific Smiles, tell us a little bit, give us the helicopter view of, of what they do. Uh, Pacific Smiles is Australia's largest branded uh, dental business. They have 131 dental clinics. They've got 539 chairs, so that's about just over four chairs per clinic. They have over 925 dentists, and they've got about 2.5% market share uh, of the Australian dental market with some you know, good growth prospects ahead of them to grow that business organically. And what's their growth strategy? Uh, Pacific Smiles uh, focuses on organic growth. Uh, rolling out um, new centres. Um, the, the space has proven quite attractive in terms of corporate activity over the last decade. Uh, many businesses have been acquired and many businesses have been rolled into other competitors, but Pacific Smile's strategy is to organically grow. Um, so they grow, um, as I said, they've got 131 sites currently. Um, they usually start with a couple of chairs and then by years sort of two to four, they add additional chairs and they think they'll probably cap out in year five with five chairs. Um, and they've got good aspirations to, to grow materially from current levels today, but a large proportion of their clinic fleet um, was started during the COVID period, or that was roughly a third, and then there was obviously the ones a couple of years before COVID um, that have been impacted um, by COVID as well. So we're expecting a really strong recovery in that port part of their portfolio. Do you prefer the greenfield strategy instead of buying up other businesses and, and paying excessive multiples for businesses that have sort of do tap out scalability wise after a certain stage? Yeah, we, we do, because we think you get a really good return on capital. Um, the returns uh, on, on, on this strategy are really, really attractive. But if you actually go out to the market and acquire businesses, you obviously pay goodwill. Um, you know, dentists come and go. Um, you don't retain the value of the underlying centre and equally the client base. But Pacific, Pacific Smiles actually owns the client. They own the brand. It's far more valuable and you generate a really good return. Um, and that's an attractive thing as an investor for us. And maybe walk us through the, the unit economics of a, of a new centre. Yeah, sure. Um, over the five-year period, um, the capital outlay required is around $900,000. Um, and as you get to that period, you would like to be um, earning patient fees of in the vicinity of $2.5 million um, across your five chairs. Um, you know, at around a 15% bottom line EBITDA margin is what the company is targeting. Um, that is a very, very attractive return in excess, in excess of a 30% return on capital. And if you actually look at a lot of their um, early centres, which obviously not, don't fall into that 
category of the ones that were started during COVID or the ones just before, many of those centres are earning well over $3 million per centre and well over 20% margin. So we think as they get the, the broader um, portfolio of clinics, the fleet increases in terms of its value and, and patient fees. Um, it's a very, very attractive model uh, and an attractive will drive um, shareholder growth in, in the long term, short to long term. And which sort of geographical locations have been the most successful? Which ones are they, are they targeting? Um, prior to COVID, they had a huge amount of success in CBD locations um, for obvious reasons of work from home. Um, those centres, which were some of their more profitable ones, have been impacted over the last two to three years. And they're fighting back or are you still finding it's still yet to hit their pre-COVID numbers? The, the, most of them are still yet to hit their pre-COVID numbers, but they're certainly fighting back. Certainly uh, as occupancy, occupancy in CBD starts to improve, that is the case. Um, but equally, they've started to roll out more centres in more regional locations. They're very popular in shopping centres. Um, so, so as that, that cohort of... Uh, of centres that were rolled out during COVID and those just before start to hit, um, hit, hit that point of maturity and growth, we think the earning capacity is very, very attractive from those, those, those stores. And you mentioned COVID there. We know there were a lot of people putting off scans for potentially serious illnesses around cancer and other issues like that. But dentistry was another thing where I assume people weren't getting as much done during those COVID years. Has there been a sort of uptick since the reopening uh, you know, trying to make up for that work that didn't get done through those COVID years getting done now? One of the attractive things about the industry is the ageing population. And a function of people not going to the dentist during 2020 and 2021 was that the population aged by two years. And the cohort aged 75 years and older is where there is the most demand and requirement for um, significant dental work. And what we're seeing is the average spend per patient is actually increasing. Even though the frequency is still taking time to come back and there's still cancellations going on in the industry, the average spend per customer is something that's rising. And we think that as those cancellations start to improve uh, and frequency starts to tick up, that that's a really, really, you know, it's not a good sign for the underlying patient, but it's a good sign for the business owner um, that there's more and more work required. And they manage some clinics for HPF over in Western Australia. Maybe broadly talk us through what that looks like and whether or not yep. that's material for the business. They, they manage, um, as I said, they've got 131 clinics. They do um, 11 for, for, NI, uh, for NIB and eight for HPF in Western Australia. Um, so a lot of the healthcare, the private health providers are seeing this as an efficient way to manage your underlying clients within your private health insurance framework. Um, so, so it's slightly different to the core, the core offering that they do do and it's, it's sort of more a managed service agreement. Um, but it's equally an attractively growing part of the business. Um, you know, 55% of the Australian population has private health and that is continuing to grow and that is a tailwind for their business. The largest two um, areas that are claimed are obviously dental, which is attractive for Pacific Smile and optical as well. Uh, and so as some of the, you know, restoration requirements for the ageing population come through, we think that's a really, really good space uh, to, to be invested and we, we, we like the outlook. And there's been corporates into dentistry before and other healthcare verticals. What have been some of the risks that, that corporates have faced when they've entered these sort of health type plays and how are, how are Pacific Smiles mitigating that? Sure. Um, the, the dental space over the last decade or so has been highly attractive to both corporates and private equity. Um, BGH uh, acquired 1300 Smiles in 2021 on a multiple of 13 and a half times EBITDA. Very attractive relative to the six odd times that Pacific Smiles trades on. 
Um, that business, as an example, was more a roll-up in terms of you know making acquisitions of individual um, dentist businesses, different to Pacific Smiles, which is organic. So one of the challenges that you do get in those businesses where you make an acquisition um, of an existing clinic is traditionally um, the proprietor of that clinic um, has a long-standing relationship with the patient and that is a risk that if the proprietor does leave or the dentist does leave that relationship may leave as well and they may go somewhere else so that's why we do like the organic structure it takes a little bit longer in terms of time to execute but you just eliminate that risk a little bit um, and, and you know Pacific Smiles was speculated to be the subject of corporate activity in 20 uh, 2022, nothing eventuated, and, and TDM Growth Fund have been on the register. They sold out in 2021 as well, so they were an early backer of the business prior to it, prior to it being a listed company. So you know that, that it is a highly attractive space because people like um, the fact that it's highly regulated. Um, there's large barriers to entry, uh, and you know uh, there's strong uh, both private health and government funding from from an earnings perspective. So yeah, we'll be back with more Talkie Book right after this short break. TV, online, and on your smartphone. This is Ticker News. This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Thanks for watching Talkie Book. I'm here with Nick Sladen and we're talking Pacific Smiles and Nick, we're talking about their growth strategy. Uh, in terms of how many sites they get before they tap out, I think you mentioned there at about 2% of the current Australian market. What level do you see them getting to before they start to, to feel like they reach saturation point? As I said, Chris, they've got 131 clinics at this point in time with an average of four, just over four chairs per clinic and they think they'll probably cap out at five chairs. Um, so they've got a lot of capacity within the existing fleet um, to deliver growth. Um, so as an example, if they, were, <coughs> if they were to deliver their target of $2.5 million in patient fees per clinic at a 15% margin, um, which is what their objective is, that will deliver about $50 million in EBITDA. Their forecast in FY23 to deliver about $24 million in EBITDA. So that's obviously 100% upside from, from current levels. Um, in terms of if you look, and what, what a lot of people are wanting them to do is prove up that, prove the economics of some of those newer sites that they've opened, um, which they've already got the infrastructure and the costs embedded in there. Um, but longer term, um, they've identified about 250 sites at a $2.5 million patient fee um, per clinic and 15% margin, which, you know, if you look at the economics of some of their early stores, they earn far, far higher margins than that. So, you know, if you put all that together, that means they could be, you know, based on those economics, they could be close to sort of 90 to $100 million in EBITDA, which is considerably higher than what they earn today. And that would reflect, you know, really, really large upside uh, for an equity investor. And what happens along that journey is you don't just get, obviously, the earnings upgrade, the earnings um, upgrade, you get multiple expansion. Um, prior to COVID, a lot of these healthcare businesses actually with really clear growth strategies traded on premium multiples. Um, but but today they're trading on discounts. So you, you might see an EBITDA multiple go from six or seven times to 10 or 12 times. And as I said, um, one, one 300 smiles was acquired on 13 and a half times. So if this is executed by management correctly, 
you'll get the double whammy. You get the earnings growth as well as the margin multiple expansion, which is what we're hoping and looking for. And what's their market cap currently? Market cap's just over $200 million. Um, and carrying debt? No, they're basically almost net cash, so, so not much debt at all. You'd almost be comfortable take them taking on some debt as they start to shore up the model, wouldn't you? Oh, look, I think, uh, yes, you would be, but you know, as they grow, these businesses should be pretty, pretty cash generative. Um, we, you know, we're, one of the things we don't like is seeing too much debt, particularly in a rising interest rate cost environment. So yeah, sure, they can self-fund it at the moment, but we wouldn't want to say them take on too much debt, but they're in a really good position to, to fund, their, fund their growth going forward. And can you see any geographical expansion into New Zealand or, or offshore, or do you think they've got their hands full with executing in Australia for the foreseeable future? I think Australia, they've got their hands full. They've got a clear runway of 250 sites they've articulated. They need to prove up the 131 they've got today. New Zealand's been a challenging market for many businesses, so I think I can't imagine they'll be going over there. Um, you know, keep working with the private health um, players in terms of your relationships there, proving out the economics of your core um, clinics and, and growing that way and executing. I think that's the opportunity and the upside, as well as the other one would be getting those CBD stores you know, back to back operating and humming as, as best as they can, because they are good profit drivers for the group as we go forward. And with a business like this and, and so much of the revenue effectively coming from private health insurers, and I assume Medi Medicare as well, is there a risk if you do become too profitable that those private health insurers start to say the, the rebates here are, are too high? Oh, look, ultimately that is perhaps a risk. I guess it's a long way from where they are today. They've only just re-become re re profitable coming out of COVID. They're barely profitable at the end uh, at the NPAT line for the first half so it's probably a long way long way to go but but as I said before 55 percent uh, of the Australian public have got PHI it's growing at over two percent um, this business is a really really good way um, for them to service their client base 53 percent of dentists in Australia are sole operators so that means you know over half the market is actually really hard for the private health insurers to get serviced by their clients so we think you know this model is a really really good model not without risks but um, it's a good way for PHI to, 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 to ensure that their clients have access to dental clinics. And you mentioned 1300 Smiles getting taken over by private equity. Uh, who's the logical buyer for a, a business like this? Oh, look, I think that, you know, there's, there'd be many buyers. I think it's probably more likely to be a corporate or a private equity type buyer would be more interested um, because they've got a clear growth runway. Um, you know, the balance sheet's in, in really good shape. In terms of these guys have not bought um, Pacific Smiles have not bought individual dentist clinics themselves, so I, I don't think there'll be a deviation on that strategy. I think they've, they've got a clear strategy in place to execute organically, and if someone else wants to disrupt that along the way, you know, so be it. But you know, the value would need to be reflected above current, current valuation levels. Outstanding. Well, Nick Sladen, thanks very much for, for making a talkie book debut. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here.